Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone, and today we are in week 10 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking to you about questions number 27 and 28. Now, there are two dominant views of the universe at work in American culture. One is the view that all that matters is matter. This view claims that if you trace back to the very beginning of our universe, you will probably find an unimaginably dense ball of matter, perhaps no bigger than the period at the end of this sentence. At least that's how I remember reading about the Big Bang in my elementary science textbook. And then for some unknown reason, this tiny ball of matter exploded outward into the universe, and over millions of years, if not billions of years, it continues to spread and change and coalesce into the universe we know today. This view of the cosmos believes that matter plus time plus chance equals the universe we inhabit today. This is a naturalistic worldview, and it believes that matter is all there is. It states that there is nothing, nothing beyond the natural world. Now, there is another view of the cosmos. This second view claims that if you were able to trace back to the very beginning of time, you would find that there was nothing material whatsoever. But you would find that God was there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This view of the cosmos doesn't come from a textbook, but from the good book. It comes from the Bible. It is the view that a supernatural God created all that exists and that he formed the universe by the direct work of his sovereign power. He created, formed, shaped, ordered, and continues to uphold this universe by his providence and power. Now, this second view, which comes to us from the pages of Scripture, is what this week's questions in the Heidelberg Catechism are all about. So let's look at these questions. Question number 27, what do you understand by the providence of God? Now, remember, providence of God is a, a statement, a phrase, a concept that was uh, brought up last week when we were looking more into the Apostles' Creed and an explanation of who the Father is. And here's how question number 27 is answered by Heidelberg. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. Now, that's a wonderful, beautiful, poetic explanation and definition of providence. Um, and it's clearly, if you can read it again, it's clearly set over in opposition to a naturalistic view of the world. Things did not come to us by chance. In fact, all things come from his fatherly hand. So let's do a little more work in defining the term providence, just so that we know what we're talking about. Uh, the root meaning of the term providence, well, it means to provide for. It means to, to provide. It, it, it means to see in advance or beforehand and to make certain provision for. That's the, the root of the term itself. 
But to elaborate a bit further, the doctrine of God's providence signifies that God is far more than a noble spectator of human events. Providence refers to the direct action of God in the affairs of creation to bring about His desired end. It also refers to the concrete actions of God to direct the events surrounding the lives of His people in order to accomplish His eternal and saving purposes. In other words, God is not just the clockmaker up in the sky who rolled everything into existence and then watches it um, as it unfolds and he has no idea what's taking place. No, God is providentially, he is actively involved in the details of human history and in the lives of his people. And he's doing so in order to accomplish his sovereign purpose and plan. Now, there's a huge amount of difference between the providence of God and um, the things that we generally refer to throughout the day, like fortune or luck or fate. And the key to the difference between the providence of God and those things is the personal character of God as our loving Father. And R.C. Sproul helps us to understand this distinction. He writes this, Fortune is blind, but God is all-seeing. Fate is impersonal, while God is our Father. Luck is dumb, but God can speak. There are no blind, impersonal forces at work in human history. All is brought to pass by the invisible hand of providence. Now, I appreciate what R.C. writes here, especially as it relates to the contrast between the naturalistic worldview and the biblical one. But I would expand this quote out a little bit to include Jesus. He says that all things are brought to, to pass by the invisible hand of providence. Well, the, the Bible actually says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the visible manifestation of God's invisible hand of providence. So the reason that I would, I would make this distinction is because of what we read in Colossians chapter 15, I mean chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. This is where the apostle Paul speaks about Jesus and he writes this. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now listen to this. For by him all things were created. We're talking about providence. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. But he's also before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, in this passage, there's two major things that come together. One is this beautiful explanation of who Christ is, but also this detailed explanation of Christ's role within the providence of God. In this passage, we read that Jesus was a man whose blood trickled down from a Roman cross, but we also read that he is the very image of God. He's the instrument of creation. He's the one who ranks as preeminent over all things, and he is the head of the church. 
So we read that he died, but that he rose from the dead. He's the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from the dead. All of God's fullness, the fullness of the fatherly providence of God dwells in him, and through him heaven and earth have been created, upheld, and united forever by the peace that his cross brings. See, this passage answers some of the most profound and mysterious questions that mankind has ever asked. It pulls back the veil. It allows us to stare into the very face of God, the invisible God of providence. We stare at him, and he is Jesus. Now, the Father is not the same as the Son, but we have to understand that these two are both actively involved in this work of providence. Jesus is the one who fashioned the universe. It was created by the Son of God. This passage looks at the authority structures of the earth and declares that all of them exist by and for the pleasure of Jesus, the Son of God. This passage tells us the entire purpose of creation in two words. It says that all things were created through him and for him. So why did the universe leap into being at the purpose of God? Why? It did it for him. It was for Jesus. This passage answers some major questions, but it also answers some of the biggest scientific questions that scientists even to this day can't answer. For instance, what holds the nucleus of atoms together? Why don't protons and neutrons repel one another following the normal laws of electrostatic force, which would result in the universal nuclear obliteration? In verse 17, we read that they hold together because Christ tells them to. He is providentially at work maintaining creation. This passage declares that there is one being in our universe to whom everyone and everything is dependent. There is one being in our universe that rules over everything, and it is God. Specifically, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Abraham Kuyper, the Dutch Calvinist theologian, minister, and politician, got it right when he said this, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. I love that quote. See, that is one of the truths of providence that Heidelberg is trying to help us understand. That God is the sovereign ruler, providentially caring for all that he has made. And at the same time, Christ is the one who created and upholds the universe by his power. Now, there's another truth that Heidelberg wants us to understand. And it's not just that there's this big picture, divine, providential work of God, but also that he is a loving father, not simply caring for all of creation, but particularly caring for his people. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's what question number 30 really gets out. How does the knowledge, I'm sorry, question number 28, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence How does it help us? Well, here's the answer. We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from His love. All creatures are so completely in His hand that without His will, they can neither move nor be moved. Okay, so the first question was really getting at how do we define and understand providence? The second one was how do we appreciate providence? What does this doctrine of providence mean for us? Well, it gives us reason to be patient with the difficult things of life, right? 
when things go wrong, even terribly wrong, our understanding of the fact that God is in control can help us to be patient and wait upon the Lord. Because he's not just in control of all the circumstances of life, he is very much in control as our loving Father, even over the very difficult things, the trials that we're going through. Now, to be fair, when we're in the middle of something terrible in our lives, the last thing we might want to hear is for a happy Christian to tell us, hey, don't don't forget that God is in control. It's all going to be okay. I mean, often in the midst of struggle, that seems empty. It sometimes seems unhelpful, but really it's not. At least it shouldn't be. The reason we get impatient is that we want things to change now. We want the pain to go away now. We want the problem to be solved now. But often in the providence of God, it takes time to see something difficult be used for our good. Think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. He lived a lifetime as a slave after his own brother sold him away out of jealousy. Imagine the pain and the frustration that he must have felt over the years as his life in captivity continued on from one slave master to another, falsely accused by one, imprisoned in another. But in the end, at the very end of his life, Joseph came to see God's hand of providence at work. And not just for his good, not just to free him and make him a powerful man, but he saw the hand of providence in his life at work for the good of his entire family. And don't forget that his family, the sons of Israel. You see, providence helps us to be patient in the midst of difficult things because we know that God is accomplishing a purpose, that God is in control, and we know that he's a loving father. But providence also helps us to be thankful when things are going well, right? Because we understand that even though human means may have contributed to our success in some way, the bigger picture reminds us that God has been at work for our good. Here's a simple way for us to apply this idea. How many of us are truly thankful that we're Americans? How many of us are truly thankful for the freedoms we enjoy, the opportunities that we have, the blessings that go along with living in this country? And and make no mistake, we have a part to play in that we must obey the law, right, in order to maintain our freedom. We must take advantage of those opportunities in order for them to really produce something in our lives. And we must enjoy the blessings that are available to us. But most of us, the vast majority of us, did not make the decision to be born here. We simply were. Through God's providence, we were born in this country at this time and therefore are able to live in such a time as this. We can't take credit for that. And we should be thankful to God for it because in his providential purpose, he allowed this to happen. He allowed us to be born as Americans in this day and time and and gave us the privilege, the opportunity to enjoy all that that entails. And then finally, Heidelberg tells us that we can look to the future with the hopeful expectation that God will continue to work out his providence in our lives as our loving father. He's already done so so much for us in our life, in our past. We've actually seen, most of us, seen God turn terrible things in our life into good, not only for us, but also for others. And we can prayerfully expect Him to continue to do so. But in reality, we have much more than just experience to give us confidence here. We also have the promise of God in Scripture that He will continue to work out all things for our good. So I want to close our discussion this week by reading a section from Romans chapter 8. And it's a rather long section, but it's absolutely beautiful. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28, we read this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called 
according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Therefore, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he goes back to the question, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then Paul, under the inspiration of God, says this, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the Father's love because there is not one rogue molecule in the universe. He is sovereign over it all. He is providentially upholding all things according to the purpose of his will. All things answer to our God. All things answer to our Savior. All things bow to our Lord. All things are subject to the one who calls us friends. There is no greater security imaginable than to be saved by the power of our glorious, providential God. Thanks for joining me today uh, to discuss the Heidelberg Catechism. I hope you will join me again next week as we look at Lord's Day 11 together and discuss questions 29 and 30. If you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstone Wiley. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.